Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I want you to know, dear friends of the pod, what has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news, but it's not about me. Barry's here, and whether his motives are false or genuine, we will (laughs) rejoice in discussing a sermon on Philippians. But before we empty ourselves of personal desires and ambitions, now that they've made me the most uncomfortable I've ever been, let's welcome (laughs) in our favorite co-host, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Oh, you didn't mention day. house cat sized rats good in the. Day. Oh, that's coming, guys. Okay. I got questions. I got lots of questions. <laughs> I thought for sure that was going to end up in there somewhere. I guess not. Oh. Lots of questions. Maybe we should start there. Let's okay. start there. Okay. What? <laughs> that's the question. It's all true. I need more details because it seemed like you were leaving a lot of stuff out. It's oh, there like, was a lot of stuff. It was hot. I was sweating through my pillow. Yeah. Which is gross, by the way. No, yeah. The, it's the, really it gross. was the rolling over to the dry part of the bed that yeah. got me. Yeah. Every That's night. Real gross. Back and forth every hour. Uh, it was insane. The there was okay, so, to peanut butter and rats jumping on your bed. I'll get oh. there. I'll get Did there. Did we not so, think about this? What yeah, tell us the whole give us the details. So, play by play. Yeah, I was in this like pretty not not a, like a really nice part of, of Juba. And um and yeah, it was in like the center block house and the electricity was completely based on a generator and gas was ex- like fuel was a very, very expensive. And so we would be able to run the generator. I was staying with a, a, a South Sudanese uh, man who, who was a local. He was involved with a local ministry and the two of us were there. I think there was one other person who came and left. Anyway, the two of us shared this little house and uh, I had that one room and I had a big, a big box fan that was in there for whatever reason. And every night at bedtime, we'd have the generator going until 10 PM and then it would cut off. Cause it, we just didn't, they didn't have the money to, to run the generator all night. So I would have this, this wonderful like breeze for about an hour and then it would go off. And I was left uh-huh. with this little, I got a little battery powered fan that was like, <laughs> it was might as, might as well have been someone like sitting on the other side of the room, like breathing like yeah. gently on me. That's about as much, <laughs> as much energy as it had. And that I would have sitting over my bed, blowing down at me through the mosquito net, which of course makes it even worse. And then <sighs> that would go out after about four hours. Cause the battery only lasted that long. And so it, yeah, but oh, it was so like you 90, had a mosquito net over I did have a mosquito net. It had a couple holes in it, and I routinely found mosquitoes on the inside of the net, just <laughs> enjoying their life. Uh, so that, and yeah, it was just so hot. I was just sweating, and every morning, so why was there a rat like on like above you? Where did well, he come from? Because they came through the window, and the window was like up above uh, the bed, and so. Yeah, no I, screens, no screens on these windows. There were like metal bars to keep out like. Uh, human intruders dog size rats yeah yeah dog size rats but <laughs> no these guys wow I, that yeah. is terrible it's terrible and it literally it looked at me and jumped right on the bed because it was oh i just had a memory i just remembered the, the okay, first rat is, that came in better i just remembered this the first <laughs> rat that came in i had like a box where i kept the little battery powered fan next to the window and the first rat you looked came up in, and the f- rat jumped, was holding the fan on no he jumped you. on the box and then scrambled under the bed over to the p- peanut butter bag that was hanging on the wall and went up and was trying to scramble at it and then i looked up and so i moved the box because i was like that's not going to happen again i can't keep I can't let the rats come in so easily. So I moved the box. And so then the next rat that came up to the window, he looked down for a place to jump and all he saw was my bed. And that's why he jumped on my bed. Um, wow. Anyway, so he jumped straight right, on the bed. So of course I freaked out at that moment. So I don't even well, know. Yeah. Turn on my headlamp, tried to machete. scare him. Is it in the middle of the night? Like, are you screaming? Did freaking he touch out, you? Or are you just trying to keep, he didn't touch quiet? me. I don't think it would all happen really fast, but 
Um, I was like scrambling as he was jumping down and I don't know if I screamed. It's too, I don't remember. (laughs) I I was out. It was an out of body experience. Be losing my mind. So (laughs) the the best part is that, is that, so I was obviously freaked out. There's no way I was going to be able to, to sleep in that room while there's rats in there. So I, I went out, there was like a big sort of not big. It was just like a, like a, the living room slash like dining room area in the, in this little cinder block house. Uh, they had a couch, uncomfortable couch. And so I, for whatever reason, again, middle of the night freaked out. I don't know what's going on. I took the peanut butter and I left it on the, um, on no, I left the peanut butter in my room. I went out and I slept on the couch. And as I looked up, I realized that someone had left part of our dinner out on the, oh. di- on the dining room table. And so as I'm sitting on this couch, looking across oh. the room, I see the silhouette of like three house cat sized rats gorging themselves on whatever was left on the dining room table. Never before had I experienced rats like that. So that that mental image of the shadows of the silhouettes of those rats on the table as I'm trying fitfully to sleep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was was, the peanut butter in a jar? Yeah. That's my next question. Why, why (laughs) was the peanut butter not covered do they gnaw through like plastic so, jars? No, they weren't glass? in jars glass? because this was <laughs> this was local peanut butter that had been literally ground from peanuts, right? Like legit peanut butter. And it was sold in little bags, little baggies that were oh. tied and you could like cut off the end of it and squeeze it out onto like crackers or something. That's what I would do. Um, and so, yeah, this was back when I was still doing insanity every morning. So I was doing <laughs> in the middle of of. South Sudan. I was doing insanity every morning and peanut butter was my way of, uh, who, are you, who, who are you trying to prove something to I, myself? I was almost done with insanity. <laughs> I'm going so to do insanity there. in Sudan. I don't know, man. The battery powered fan. It, it was a different time of giant my life. Rats. And did I mention that when I bathed out of that with the bathing with the, the river water, it was actually like a bucket bath. It wasn't like a shower. It was like splashing yourself out of a bucket. <laughs> That's how I bathed. So you weren't standing in the river. No, it was in a little tiny dank hallway closet thing with a drain in the ground. This was like peak Barry and World Next Door. Like this is, this was yeah. my experience. This was who I used to be. It's crazy to think. The most uncomfortable you have ever been. Yeah. yeah. Maren, do you have a story like this? Um, I, I have, I have some stories. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you asking me for yeah, a reason? What, like, what's, <laughs> your, what's your uncomfortable moment here? Um, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd have to really think about the most uncomfortable I have ever been. But I told you guys last week I have a similar story, but it wasn't with a house cat sized rat. It was more with a mouse. Mm-hmm. When we lived in Chicago, we definitely had to battle mice from time mm-hmm. to time. And uh, there was a mouse that it would seem like had a little like racetrack around our bed. Mm-hmm. And one night um, I heard this mouse chewing on this the pages of my Bible. This was in our apartment, our, our <laughs> first or second apartment uh, <laughs> in Chicago. So, yeah, we don't we there are house cat sized rats in Chicago and I've yeah. definitely seen them. But in our apartment, there was mice. And I was told by at least one person uh, to rejoice if there were mice in my home Why? because it meant that there There's were no, no rats oh. <laughs> because the mice and the rats don't coexist. So they're, they're like, yeah, Oh, that's, you that's should be good. glad. It's just mice. Oh yeah. my goodness. But like, like, of course. So we had to put everything that we purchased into another container. So you bought some cereal, that cereal had to go into a metal mm-hmm. tin or a plastic bin. And it took me like a minute to break free from that when we finally left the inner inner city. Like, oh, wow, 
You mean I can just take this box of Cheerios and <laughs> put it in to, a cabinet? You don't have to hermetically no seal asked. your Pop-Tarts. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> wow. This is the life. Yeah. Those are uncomfortable stories, guys. I got to admit. <laughs> one time when I was in. I don't even know that I've seen a rat. One time when I was in <laughs> Panama, we were in the mountains of Panama and we had just hiked for like nine straight hours. I was exhausted, so exhausted that that night I vomited three times from dehydration and also oh. a cockroach climbed on my bare back while I was sleeping. Oh my okay. goodness. I got cockroach stories. If we really want to gross our people out, I was I was in labor with Jaden. Oh no. And I was in the, the lobby of my apartment building waiting for, you know, I'm, I'm not driving myself to the hospital. So I was waiting for Jed or whoever to come down to drive me to the hospital. And um, someone else was in the lobby and it was mid-December. So I had a cold and I asked if someone get, would get me a tissue. And instead they got me a roll of toilet paper, like from the lobby bathroom. And when they handed it to me, a cockroach <laughs> scurried out and scurried like down my body. Oh. So I'm in labor and there's a cockroach oh scurrying, my goodness. scurrying down my leg. Yeah, I mean, I, I it, it, it was it was really gritty inner city Chicago stuff. My husband and I once saw a really long rat fight on the sidewalk. And that was cool. Like from our apartment window, we could just see these rats like rumbling in the street. And there was this very nice looking couple walking up the sidewalk and the rats weren't even bothered by it. They didn't even move. Didn't even they didn't care. stop their brawl. The people didn't seem to care. The people themselves, they just walked past the rats as though this was It's an amazing everyday what thing. we get used to. You just it kinda, really is. Yeah. Um, I, I put this oh. in the app notes, but the second most uncomfortable place I've ever been was also you in South Sudan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was also in South Sudan. I'm not going to go into the whole story there, but, but if you want, go look back at the app notes. I don't know if you can even find them on the website, but if you want to know, on the website, on the email app. me and I will email you the link to the story of my road trip that was like, uh, uh, it would have taken a 30 minutes in the plane and it took three days oh my uh, goodness. in South Sudan. And that was when a woman accidentally spit on my neck, uh, a baby child vomited next to me. We were crammed four to a seat in the back yeah. seat of this car. And uh, one of these women thought that she'd bring some fresh bananas along for the ride. And they <laughs> over the three days rotted oh. and then just basically <laughs> oozed onto my shoes. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyway, so that's oh, man. the reason that we were talking about that was because <laughs> it's Paul was in prison and that I was mean, uncomfortable gosh. too. <laughs> oh, I was goodness. prepared to come here and be like, guys, the most uncomfortable I've ever been. And thinking that it was serious was like, uh, my grandmother used to live in um, like South Florida and there were these giant bugs called, she, she would call them palmetto bugs. I don't know if that's what they're really called, but they're just large cockroaches. And if I knew one was in the house, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> it didn't have to be on me. I didn't have to like, it yeah. didn't even have to be in my room. But if I knew, if I knew it was in the house and somebody did not kill it or get it out, I, I couldn't sleep. But hearing these stories of them crawling on your back. I, I have a genuine awful. I have a genuine theory that <laughs> when we talk about spiritual gifts, they are not just limited to the things listed in Paul's letters. I think sometimes the spirit will give you gifts that are necessary for you to do the work that you were called to do. And I believe yeah. that the ability to sleep in most environments was a gift that and a strong stomach were gifts that the God, that God gave me, uh, to be able to do the work that he called me to do traveling the world. So there was a time I was, uh, flying to Ukraine in a 
lady sitting next to me spilled hot soup on my lap twice. That was pretty uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty uncomfortable. (laughs) I had to ride an eight hour flight with soup in my lap that eventually turned cold and, you know. (laughs) All right. Enough about that. Guys, we're in week two of a series uh, called Together. Study of the Book of Philippians. And uh, the Facebook group, BYOB Facebook group is alive and well. You guys are active on it. Uh, Barry, you're you're more active than I've ever seen you on Facebook. It's just like trying to get the conversation going. You know how it yeah. goes. Well, it's happening. People are <laughs> people are ch- chiming in yeah, uh, about what they're learning and reading. And it, it, it's been good. Um, but we're in week two. Barry, you gave the sermon this past weekend. And it pretty much focused on Philippians 1 a little bit too. But... What was the kind of the big idea behind what you shared with everybody over the weekend? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I really was trying to focus on Paul's mindset being in prison. How does he feel about being in prison? How does he feel about the challenges of his circumstances? Um, and I, you know, I tried to bring us back up to speed a little bit on the context of the letter of Philippians. Like, why was it written? We talked about this on the pod last week, but Epaphroditus brought him some, some aid, uh, like a care package from, from Philippi. And Paul was so grateful. He wanted to write the church in Philippi to say, thank you. He sent the letter back with Epaphroditus and, uh, but he also wanted to let them know how he was doing and give him some encouragements along the way. And so we focused in on that kind of how am I doing section where he basically says, guys, I'm in prison and things are great because look at how the gospel is spreading. And, um, man, if I, if I died and, and, you know, in prison, then that means Mm -hmm. I get to go be with Jesus, which is great. But since it's not about me, it's not about me. It's about you. Then uh, I think I'm probably going to survive. That's like his logic. And it's just crazy. So all that to say, I I was kind of trying to point out in that section, how, how Paul thought about the world. And I went to Philippians two, like you said, to talk about his mentality of, of being like Jesus, Jesus, who emptied himself of his divinity, who stepped down. We'll talk more about that next week, but, um, that that's the way that Paul saw his life. He considered um, following Christ and spreading the message of Christ to be all important. And his own his own desires, his own comfort, his own safety, his own life mm-hmm. was secondary uh, to that mission. And so, ultimately, it was just a pretty simple challenge to us as a as a church, as Christ followers, to ask ourselves the same question: Are we living a life that that we could genuinely say is not about us? Is it really about uh, something more? So, uh, that was pretty much it. That's the message in a nutshell. What what do you guys think was in an ancient care package? Because (laughs) when I was in college and I got care packages, it was like Tide Pods and (laughs) ramen gift card and ramen. (laughs) What do you think was in, uh, Paul's, (laughs) Paul's care package in jail? Um, I bet that it probably apart from maybe some money, I bet there were some like, maybe like a cloak. I mean, those are really expensive, really hard to come by, but I imagine being down in some damp prison cell, you know, with chains, uh, chained to the wall. I doubt that you had the comfort of something like a nice cloak, a very, you know, multifunctional piece of clothing for the ancient world. So I could imagine something like that being in there. That would have been a huge gift. That's like getting a new car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it may be a balm or a salve. I actually found a picture. Um, I forget where I was that I found this picture, but I found a picture of the ruins of the prison they think Paul and Silas were kept in. Whoa, Ooh, in Philippi. Um, yeah, it's a cool, 
I mean, it's cool to see it. Of course, it's a remnant now. It, it looks almost uh, like a cave or mm. um, like maybe a, under a bridge or something like that. It, it looks like just stone and yeah, dank. Mm. <laughs> That's yeah. a good word. <laughs> yeah. Good word for it. And it's ruins, right? So you can imagine what this was when it was an actual building, an actual structure. But you think about him being chained yeah. to a wall or the floor or something. Mm -hmm. And you know, these chains have to be heavy and you know, they have to be rubbing against his skin night and day and day and night. And so you just think about sometimes we have a couple of examples like that still today in our world where like my husband, he likes these prison shows, you know, Mm. from prisons around the world or something. And you wouldn't (laughs) believe the conditions that people still to this day encounter. So Mm. let alone an ancient prison that doesn't even have something like, you know, running water or anything like that. Mm, yeah. What, what went, must that have been like? I went to a prison in Kenya that was, it was a remand prison, I guess. So it was kind of like a jail is where people went waiting for trial. I don't even know. I don't know all the details, but I just remember it was horrid. The conditions that were people were, were, were in. I mean, just like yeah. crammed together. I, this is the modern era, you know, in a country with a legal system. And they were, they were kind of crammed into these big open areas and, sitting on top of one another. It was really not, uh, it was pretty, pretty shocking to see even today. Yeah. So not to mention they're, they're flogged oftentimes they're mm-hmm. beaten before they're thrown into prison. And, um, I don't think those wounds get treated right. <laughs> before they're thrown into this filthy space. Right. Did so we talk about it, the fact that the jailer in Philippi in act 16, uh, bathes the wounds of Paul's Paul and Silas, like himself, that, mm. that, is an act that he takes. But then I, I realized that after the fact, I was like, wait, so they probably didn't have their wounds bathed. They would have been mm-hmm. in there with festering, bleeding, open wounds and all that stuff. So, yeah. Right. Is this the, uh, so when we read that, is it the guy that he's also referring to in Philippians one, where he's like the jailer even has even heard of Christ. No, this is a different place. Cause the, when he okay. wrote Philippians, the, the, that story this, is when he first came to Philippi. This is later. This is possibly in Ephesus or Rome. Mm-hmm. That's the jailer that got converted. Yes. After like he was about okay. to take his own life mm-hmm. after this mm-hmm. earthquake happened. And they're mm-hmm. like, no, 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 don't do that. And then he he got converted. So you, you shared in the Facebook group why you think this jail was in Ephesus as yeah. opposed to Rome. Uh, do you mind sharing a little bit here as to, sure. as to why you think that? I mean, it's all kind of really it's all conjecture nobody knows for sure but the the argument for it being in rome are is that um and this is all just from memory so i'm probably not going to get references and stuff but in philippians paul says something about the praetorian guard uh he mentions uh the emperor's household and so people think oh so that must be when he was in rome in prison in rome but um there were plenty of Roman colonies where praetorian guards would have been present uh, being in a place that you know, was considered like a Roman governmental prison could have been considered Caesar's household or the emperor's household. So there's, it's not a foregone conclusion that those things mean Rome. Um, But then there's other hints, like uh, when you look at some of his other prison letters, when he writes to the church in Colossae, uh, Colossians, Mm -hmm. and he he writes the the, uh, letter to Philemon, um, Philemon, right? Yeah. The uh, slave owner. Yes, I'm getting yeah. Philemon. 
Thank you. Yes. Uh, both of those were to the church in Colossae and that combined with some other letters, he, he makes reference to I'll be there really soon, which if he was in Rome, take a while, that would be a lot of a bigger deal. And by, by the time he was in Rome, he was trying to go to Spain. He wasn't trying to go Mm. back to Asia minor. And so there's just a thought that perhaps there was another period of Paul being in prison, uh, maybe in Ephesus that, Mm is when a lot of his prison letters were written. Mm -hmm. So that's the theory. That's what N.T. Wright thinks and makes a good case for it. And some of the other... Other than just like world behind the text, is is there any significance or consequence of it being one place or another? Not really. I I guess if it was Rome, then the conditions of his arrest were probably quite different. And if he was in Rome, when he wrote all these things about his chains and his, he was just in house arrest in Rome. And Mm. so all of that, all the stuff about chains and stuff would pretty much be metaphor at that Mm. point. But if he was in Ephesus, if it was a, a, a prison similar to the one in Philippi, then when he talks about chains, he means chains. Like I'm literally, I'm hooked up to a wall right now, like that kind of thing. So for me, it, it, for it to be in Ephesus, in my mind, kind of raises the stakes of his imprisonment a little bit and sort of mm-hmm. it makes what he has to say about being so OK with it even more remarkable. Um, so that's my take. That's my my opinion. But at the end of the day, I don't think it, I don't think it changes what he's really trying to get across. I think it just adds a little bit more more nuance to it. Hmm. All right. So let's dig into the actual uh, letter. So cool. we're still in. Philippians. Wait, what's happening? I'm Is getting my leader? Bible. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right. I just get up and leave. Sorry. Um, all right. So we're still in Philippians one. And uh, what stands out to you guys or what stands out to you? Maren, I'm, I'm interested in, in your take. What stands out to you uh, in what Paul had to say in this part of his letter this week? The theme, the overarching theme of the whole sermon was really uh, it's not about you or it's not about me. Um, right. So as you were listening to the sermon or reading the the passage, what what particularly stands out to you? Right now I'm looking at what we just talked about, Paul being in chains. Um, and he says uh, in verse 13, actually verse 12, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news for Mm -hmm. everyone here, including the whole palace guard knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Like even if that alone was the entire chapter, Mm -hmm. he says not one thing about himself and his sufferings and how he's feeling he mentions the chains, but mm-hmm. he mentions them in in light in, in such a positive light that they are being used for good because of my imprisonment, because of these chains. Everyone here knows about Christ. And because of these <clears throat> chains, even the local church body is emboldened yeah. uh, to preach in a way that they weren't preaching before. So, so uh, fear of what? Fear of death? Fear of arrest? Like, what are they able to do without fear? Or what, are, what, are, what would they be fearful of? Well, I wonder, I mean, it, the, the whole persecution, the whole point of persecution is to try to stamp out a movement, to try to say, we want you to be afraid so you won't tell others about this. You'll stay quiet. You'll, you'll, you know, you'll, 
whatever, recede into the shadows. And so the powers that be won't be threatened by you. And so for them to imprison Paul, possibly beat Paul. And then for Paul to continue just being like, Hey everybody, let me tell you about Jesus. That, that (laughs) would have been something that if I, I mean, if I was watching that, I would have been emboldened when you see Mm -hmm. some of the early church records of the persecution that came after like the generation after Paul and all that, um, it's pretty amazing to see how many people were taken into like the Colosseum and mauled to death by wild animals or burned at the stake or whatever. And, and every one of them almost without fail was, was bold and, and joyful. They were singing hymns as they burned alive. And it, Mm. it was so startling and shocking to people that it ended up doing the exact opposite of what it was intended to do. It didn't strike fear. It struck boldness. And all of a sudden Mm. people saw that and said, I want that kind of confidence. I want that kind of passion. Mm -hmm. And, and so it ended up it ended up only kind of fanning the flames of, of the church growing. So I think that's probably what he's talking about there. It's like when people saw him go to prison and saw his attitude and his approach to all of this, they thought, Oh, I want to, I want to be a part of that. Or I could, I could speak more boldly too. Mm -hmm. It's so hard for us to imagine, you know, if, if they thought they were going to, like you said, snuff out this, this message or this new rebellion as the authorities would have seen the spread of Christianity, if they were trying to squash it, it only fanned the flames and spread the gospel everywhere. Mm. And if I'm Paul and that's what I've committed my entire life to, I love how you said it in your message, Barry. Um, He says that he, what did he say? Something about like that that Christ will be exalted in my body body. Yeah. That Christ would be exalted in his body with, with all that he is with every part of him. That's what he's, that's how dedicated he is. That's how much he's given himself to this cause. So to see the gospel spreading would be such an encouragement, but it's hard for us to understand when he says, uh, for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Mm-hmm. How is suffering a privilege? I think yeah. we're so far removed from that kind of life or that kind of persecution. We can't even begin to to understand what that would mean, the privilege to suffer for Christ. Yeah, yeah. it's like foreign. Yeah, I don't, but that's yeah. how he describes it uh, as mm-hmm. a privilege. Yeah. Um, when you read that, Marin, and I thought about this while... Uh, I was reading it along with Barry during the sermon. When you just read that, he starts by calling everybody brothers and sisters of, in Philippi. And it made me think like, well, true, truthfully, I was, first I was like, it's clear that he loves these people because yeah. he's considering them family. But is this like the beginning? Uh, I've always wondered why, when we talk about Christians, we're mm-hmm. like, you are my brother in Christ. And I've yeah. never really thought about what that means or why we say things like that or paid much attention to it. But is it, is this like the beginning of it? Is this where it started where he's calling these people in letters, brothers and sisters? Is that Um, kind of the origin of it? I don't know if it started with Paul, but I mean, it definitely became a pretty fundamental metaphor for the faith, uh, 
because of Paul. I mean, he's, he, he uses in Romans, he uses the metaphor of adoption. He talks about the family of God mm-hmm. and he talks about brothers, brother. Well, literally he says brothers, uh, the NLT translates as brothers and sisters, because we know that when he says that it's not a, he wasn't just talking to the men in Philippi. He was talking to the, his, his siblings, his spiritual siblings. So, so we translate it as brothers and sisters, but, um, I, I don't know that it began with Paul, but that truly became one of the the distinctives of the early church was the idea that they were in some way, a new kind of family. It was, um, yeah, we are, we are now relatives. We are all a part of the same family. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's kind of where part Jesus, of where he gets that. So Jesus said it this way in Matthew 12, um, I'll just read verses uh, 46 through 49. Jesus is speaking to a crowd and his mother and brothers stood outside and they asked to speak to him. So someone comes to get Jesus and says, hey, your mother and your brothers are standing outside. They want to speak to you. And Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he points at his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So I don't and know. Then if he that's got where in trouble started, for started, not calling but... Mary more often. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right, right. What do you Literally, mean? And Mary was like, she... "I just want us to be a family together." <laughs> what do you once? mean? He's your mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I heard that scripture a lot um, hmm. at a church I was a part of in Chicago, where um, it was really close knit, and we use that scripture all the time. Um, you're my brother. You're, you're my sister, because Jesus said you are. As we try together to do the will of the father, we're brothers Mm -hmm. and sisters. I always, I always wondered, like, I never really, that, that idea of being brothers and sisters in Christ always just never hit home for me until I went to Ukraine. Cause before that, it was always like, I just got, you know, I heard about it. Like someone would meet someone on a plane and find out they were also a Christian and be like, it was just so good to be with a brother of Christ. And I'm like, really? Like that doesn't, what? You don't know them. Like that's not, so I would always get really skeptical about that. But then I went to Ukraine for the first time and what I found were my siblings in, in Mm. Christ. Like I literally, I spent the first two, I'm like emotional thinking about it. I spent the first two and a half weeks of my time in Ukraine. That was all I spent that first trip. And I just was with them and we shared our lives and our hearts and they fed me like crazy and we laughed together. And, you know, it was as if I had been related to them my entire life. And I, I flew home just completely blown away. I was like, Oh, that's what it means. That's what it mm-hmm. means to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that, that to me has begun kind of helping to shape what I think of that when I think about that phrase. And I imagine Paul had the same experience. Like, I don't know. We don't know much. We're just given glimpses of his time in Philippi, but based on his language of, of all the churches, he has a, they have a very special place in his heart. And I imagine that same kind of thing happened. Literally when I left Ukraine, we were just, I was just there for two and a half weeks. When I left, we were all weeping as we said goodbye. And I've never experienced that anywhere else. So at least other than maybe Kenya and a few other, like not so quickly have I ever seen a a relationship like that uh, Mm. blossom. Well, and Paul, as you touched on a little bit in chapter two, he's begging the people essentially to be united. Mm. So to use this language of one family and being brothers and sisters um, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, being of one mind. He's begging them to have that kind of a unity 
like like family. And I I think in light of everything that has happened in the last week, um, I've been thinking about that a lot as what that looks like in the church. I love my brothers and sisters, my biological brothers and sisters. I have lots of them. We don't agree on everything. Hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we share a father or we share a mother and we are family and we're committed to one another. Um, and so just looking at the kind of love that, that Paul is trying to inspire in this Philippian church. Yeah. That's just as much for today as it was for then. Mm hmm. Hmm. I just realized so, I bet you could go through the book of Philippians and just pull out the very personal touches and lines of him talking directly to them. I'm just like seeing it like sprinkled throughout the entire, there's all the, the sort of churchy sentences that we're all used to memorizing or hearing and stuff like that. But then there's all this other stuff, like just like, uh, I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned about me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Like things like that, which we just kind of skip over as context. But if you were to weave those all together, you'd you'd really get a sense of the relationship that he has mm. with them. I love you. I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Mm-hmm. Come on. Like <laughs> that is that is love. That is not that is not just like. Yeah, that's way better than like Christmas cards. <laughs> yeah. Now. It's like, yeah. Which, who are our friends and family? Let's send them a picture of ourselves. <laughs> That's way better to receive. Yeah. Um, all right. So starting in verse 15 of chapter one, it says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains uh, more painful not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me, but that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message of Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice for. I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. So this was the big, the big, like Tyler's convicted part of the sermon. Oh, okay. For me, um, because I'm someone, someone, someone call judgy. Little joke. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say anything, but now that you bring it up, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I sometimes look at people's behavior and wonder how they could call themselves Christians. Hmm. Um, so I'm someone who's critical of motives and methods some people use. But what he's saying, and if he were to give me advice, as I'm listening to you preach about this, Barry, and talk about the impure motives, and he's going to rejoice anyways because mm-hmm. um, Christ is bring, being preached. If Paul were to say, hey, Judgey Tyler, here's some words of advice for you. It's basically like, knock that off because Christ is being shared anyways, hmm. which is the only thing that matters, which goes back to last weekend when we talk about what really matters is like glorifying Christ like that was the big convicting moment for me which is like maybe I shouldn't uh, think you know prejudge people or think things about people that I don't know or I disagree with their motives or what they're doing or what they're saying or what they're how they're behaving because possibly uh, Christ is being shared anyways which is the thing that matters hopefully yeah you know I suppose that is that is true although you can also you can balance that 
with Paul's, uh, how Paul feels about the false teachers that were, uh, teaching things that were actually dismantling the good news. Uh, uh, in, yeah. So in, what's the difference, I guess? Well, I, that's, that's the great question is, is, are the people that you are frustrated with, are they preaching about Jesus and you're just annoyed at some of the, their perspectives or you do, you wouldn't agree with some of that stuff or are they actually preaching something that isn't Christ and it's mm. actually harming the gospel? In which case you probably need to turn more to second Corinthians, Paul's angriest <laughs> letter and, and get some, uh, get some insight there. That's, that's probably if I had to hold up a letter that's opposite of Philippians, it's second Corinthians. Cause he is really, Oh, right, he is there tomorrow. In <laughs> that's the book for you. Yeah. yeah that's, that's the book that for you, for Tyler. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the big theme, or the big idea, really, if you could boil it down to just a few words, is you wanted you wanted us to focus on the essence of it's not about me. Ask ourselves, are we living lives that communicate that it's not about you or it's not about me? Right. Um, and so I wanted to I wanted to hear um, from you guys. Not not if you're living those type. I mean, I. I'm interested if you guys think you're living those types of lives, but um, going from what's, what's the most important thing, which is what we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. And then now to t- talk about, it's not about me. What do you think? Like the big, the big thing that grace folks ought to be uh, focused on in these two weeks. Like what, what are the things, those are the two, th- if those are the two themes, how do we, how do we know if we're living lives that are about us or not? You know, yeah. how do we know if we're paying attention to what matters? How do we know? Because nobody thinks that they're selfish. Right. Other people think you're selfish, but I don't know anybody. Some, who, some people know they are. Really? I, I mean, when we're talking about social media in particular, I feel like we've all had those moments where we've like written something, think about it, and then start like hitting the delete button. Like, there, Like there's... There are some things that you know, okay, I'm just doing this out of rage or anger or being a knee-jerk reactionary. Sometimes you know, and you can course correct. Sometimes you know, sometimes you don't. Yeah. The way I look at it, Tyler, I think, you know, we... We haven't talked about this much recently. I need to, I need to get this back in our conversation, but we, we've talked uh, in the past about how the very most, the very first thing that happens in a relationship with Jesus is surrender, surrendering your life to Jesus, um, giving your life to him. And I think we, we often talk about adding Jesus to your life. We don't talk about surrendering your life to Jesus. We, mm. or we Maybe we don't talk about it, but that's how we, that's how we treat it. We add Jesus as another one of the, like, <laughs> as another thing on our Instagram profile or like another, yeah. you know, hobby to maybe even the most important club we're a part of, but it's, it's an addition to our life rather than what our life is about. And mm-hmm. I think, I think to me, if we really want to talk about about following Jesus, we have to talk about surrendering our lives to him, actually giving over control of our lives to him, uh, mm-hmm. which is way harder than just joining a, a Jesus club. So yeah. that's, that's part of where I think we need to go. And we, when we evaluate our lives, is Jesus an add on or is he the reason that we live and breathe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One uh, of the, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say other than other than just like generally thinking as the dad of two kids under three, just generally thinking that nothing's about me anymore. 
Um, <laughs> I, I didn't really have like concrete examples of how I live in a way that feels like it's not about me until I thought about Marin, what you just kind of referenced, like the social media behavior. So, um, a few years ago, I was what you might call like an agitated user of social media. I was mm. agitated. I was fired up. I would, uh, I was eager to speak my piece and anybody was welcome to my opinions and, uh, <laughs> uh, stuff that really bothered me or things that I was noticing about the world. I was just like agitated and ready to talk about it, but just like blast it on <laughs> social media. I talk yeah. about things important to me. The world um, needs to know. Yeah. Everybody's got to know what I think. Um, and now if you look at my accounts, like you're not going to see any of that stuff. You're not going to see it because you won't see me doing that. And I, 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 it's actually not easy. Like it's a very daily occurrence for me that I have to go through the process in my mind hmm. of asking the question of like, all right, this is what I want to say, but who is that for? Is it for me or is it for anyone else? Because right. if it's about me, then I'm a firebrand and I'm probably going to burn bridges in relationships. Right. If I do this, hmm. if I, if I say what I want to say, um, if I do what I want and I'm agitated, it's going to, it's going it, to, this, this is about me. Okay. If it's not about me and I know that I could potentially impact the behavior or anxiety levels of people that I care about or people that follow me, I would, I will be more restrained. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so that's one example. And I think about this almost daily. Because hmm. I went from like a hundred to zero <laughs> on my social media behavior. You slammed on the brakes. Yeah. Uh, and so that's one example that's not like huge example, but it is something that I could can point to to be like, I, I know what that feels like to make choices in my life that um, I can actively say that uh, I'm living in a way that's not about me. There's probably a million other ways that I am like about me, but that's one example where I'm not. Yeah. What about you guys? Well, I'm going to talk about this in a couple of weeks, but be encouraged that Paul says later in the letter, like, look, I know I haven't attained this, this perfection that I'm striving for, mm -hmm. that I'm reaching for this goal, this prize. I'm not there yet, you know, mm. but, and I think that's all of us. You know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And as long as we are this side of heaven, that's where we sit. We, yeah. we haven't reached it. The point is, are you even striving for it? And, mm -hmm. and Tyler, it sounds like you are. Barry, I know that you are. Even just to, to challenge this Western suburban church <laughs> to think outside of ourselves. Even that is actually kind of radical. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> we need that. That's yeah. the Bible. We need, we need to course correct with the word of God and we can't if we don't know it. Yeah. And so that's why these BYOB series are so, so important. I know that at Grace Church, we value biblical literacy so, yeah. so much because yeah. it's absolutely vital to living the Christian life. We can't, we can't just live our lives and add Jesus to it. Like right. you said, I want to read a quote I found in, I forget what commentary it was while I was. Uh, working the other day, but this convicted me and inspired me at the same time. Um, again, in, in light of everything that's happening in our country and in our world, it said, the church's loyalty cannot be auctioned off to those who promise it political influence, 
nor can its core convictions be pummeled into submission to fit the reigning zeitgeist. <laughs> For citizens of heaven, the gospel should be declared, not domesticated. Ooh, Ooh so that's it, good. It, it isn't what we add Jesus to. Right. Yeah. Like it's him or nothing. Right. And we will let him be the judge. I think of how, how much time would Paul have wasted if in this letter he would have spent the entire letter, the entire scroll, as Tim talks about, these expensive scrolls that were hard mm-hmm. to come by. If he would have spent that whole time just trying to like defeat those who opposed him mm-hmm. in the yeah. letter. You know, that's what we do so much. We put so much of our energy and time, especially online, into trying to like outwit and right. out argue mm-hmm. those who oppose us. So just look, look at what he does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he just exalts Christ. He mentions, yeah, yeah, there's some folks out there doing it out of some selfish ambition, but hey, Christ be magnified. Mm. Christ be exalted. Yeah. That's, I don't know. That, that was yeah. everything to and me. And the this ultimate week. example of it's not about me, it obviously is, is Christ, is Jesus. Yeah. And Paul's obviously reinforcing that with this letter and his logic about getting out of prison stood out to you, Barry. Um, yeah. And so my question, why did, why did it impact you so much? I just think it's so fun. I just think it's not funny. I think it's just interesting. Like I always, I've always heard, you know, to live as Christ, to die as gain. And that always made, you know, it makes sense to me if this is your mindset that like, if you live, you get to do more work for Jesus. And if you die, you get to go be with Jesus. They're both great. Uh, if you've given your whole life to Jesus, but what I never noticed until I was prepping, until I was working on this message is that, uh, in verse 25, he says all that and he, re- he, he logics it out or, or reasons out that, okay, so it's not about me. It's actually about Jesus and you need Jesus, Philippian church. And because it's not about me and it is about you and Jesus, then and I've got more work to do to help you, then I'm going to get out of prison. Like, obviously, <laughs> like I'm going to survive because it's got to be about you and not me. And if, if it was about me, I would get to die here and go be with Jesus. So it's not about me. So I'm probably going to get out of prison. Like that's his logic. Yeah. And it just, I don't know. It to me, it just, it just tickles me that he goes that far to just be like, yeah, I'm probably going to remain alive because I've got yeah. work to do. Cause it's I'm not gonna about me. I'm going to start using that logic. <laughs> I'm going to start using it. Like, I know for me, it'd be better if I ate kale and celery and do some sit-ups, but because of you and you can't finish your mac and cheese, I'm going to eat the rest of it (laughs) for you because I know you can't get down from the table until you finish your dinner and I'm just going to eat it. Yeah. I'm going to start using that logic. So selfless, Tyler. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Did Paul get out of prison? here was yes. this the second this, time he was in prison it, well second third fourth there's there's a whole bunch of different instances where he gets put in in sticky situations but mm-hmm. uh yeah if this was ephesian or ephesus then yes he got out of prison ultimately he kept on uh traveling around a little bit more and then uh he went back to jerusalem it's a whole interesting story he went back to jerusalem the some of the churches that he was with where they loved him very much they told him please don't go don't go because you're going to get executed. If you go, you're going to die and and you're going to be bound up and you're going to be killed if you go. But he, he felt like God was calling him to go because it's not about him. And so he went. And when he went to Jerusalem, uh, the religious leaders there basically wanted to have him executed. And so he did something that Roman citizens could do that no one else could. And he appealed to Caesar, which means that he would be uh, taken to Rome for, to be put on trial 
Uh, and so that's what he did. He went to Rome and to be put on trial. And even when he was there, he, he thought when this, when I'm out of here, I'm heading over to Spain. Uh, cause I'm going to go plant a church where there's, where no one's even heard the name of Jesus before. Uh, but ultimately as far as we can tell, and as far as church history, uh, confirms, he was ultimately executed in Rome. So that's kind of the rest of his journey. Uh, the details are a little sparse. I do have a recommendation though. If anybody hasn't read this, N.T. Wright actually wrote a biography of Paul, which I found really compelling because he does such a good job of kind of putting some flesh on the bones of Paul and, and taking him out of sort of the stereotypes that we have in our mind and really trying to paint the picture of who he is. And so if you haven't, uh, if you're looking for something to read to kind of flesh out your understanding of the the author of this letter, go read Paul by N.T. Wright. It's, it's worth mm-hmm. your time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so two themes over two weeks. Pay attention to what matters, and it's not about me. Barry, where are we heading next? Well, next we're moving into chapter two, I think, or the very, very end of chapter one and then into chapter two. Tim is going to be preaching, so we'll have him on the pod next week, I think. I hope. Um, I hope. Yeah. And so this is when we start talking a little bit more about having the attitude of Christ, uh, being citizens of heaven, uh, that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. it'll be... More, more of the same, I think, more of us uh, really getting a chance to do some introspection and looking at our lives and how they align with with Christ. Cool. Um, so, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff coming up and happening right now, too. So January 20th, Barry, you're doing a Q&A on Facebook Live. Yep. Yep. Sending those questions. So, yeah, if you want to ask them questions, go to our website, uh, submit your questions at GraceChurch.com. Or, or just ask them live. I'll try to be on the spot. But if you ask them early, I get a chance to prepare. So, yeah, it's a good thing we spent time creating that form. So you could just ask them live in the moment. That's <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Tyler. I guess it is about you because you had to spend all that time. <laughs> uh, all right. So GraceChurch.us slash BYOB. You can find the Facebook book, Facebook group there. Uh, and keep up with weekly reading plans and see Tim's world uh, behind the text videos as well. Um, and then later this month, January 27th, we're doing a webinar where members of our speaking team, Amy, Barry, Marin, and Tim will be presenting on different elements of BYOB, why we talk about BYOB, what what that means, the different worlds of the text so that we can uh, get into the rest of this year really kind of on the right foot in terms of understanding and learning and reading uh, the Bible together. So go to gracechurch.us slash BYOB to keep up with all that stuff. And then, yeah, Tim's coming next week. So that's all we have for today. Marin, will you please send us out? Sure, guys. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 